Welcome to the Business Magic Broadcast. I'm Nicole Colton, your host, and the human behind my business, Quartz and Coal. On this podcast, we share stories and support for spiritual small business owners and creative entrepreneurs who want to learn how to build, run, and grow their business ventures in a more sustainable, intuitively aligned way. Tune in to hear exclusive interviews with an eclectic mix of magical entrepreneurs who are generously sharing their valuable experiences with us. You'll also find solo episodes about my unique approach to business and marketing that prioritizes having conversations, making connections, and building communities. I'll also talk about the natural cycles and stellar systems I've tapped into on my own entrepreneurial journey. I'm so excited to share what I've learned along the way and show you how to build a business that works for you. Thanks for listening. Today, I'm joined by Ash Bruxport from Ash Gravity. Ash is an Iowa-born and raised non-binary femme writer and astrologer who started out in the agriculture business. They grew up on a conventional corn and soybean farm and worked for the sustainable agriculture and food justice movement for 10 years before transitioning into their current business. Thank you for coming on the show today, Ash. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your business and how you got started. Yeah, so I am an astrologer. I practice Hellenistic astrology, but I also really focus on asteroids. And if you know anything about astrology, then those two things are pretty different because asteroids are pretty modern and Hellenistic astrology is like the foundations of Western astrology. So it's quite ancient. And I feel like that's actually a pretty good representation of me kind of blending opposing things and bringing them together. I also do custom flower essence blends and I have a flower essence and gem essence apothecary. So I like to, especially I like to work with people on making custom flower essence blends to help them with their healing process. I work a lot around ancestral healing work that has to do with queer people and highly sensitive people. Uh, And that's, I would say that's my bread and butter than like what I do. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have, do you have any insights about someone who's interested in learning more about asteroids since that's kind of a rare it's it's emerging form Mm. of astrology yeah I think that the best well I really love the book asteroid goddesses by Demetra George it's a really really great book and what I love about her approach to talking about asteroids is that there are There's a tradition within astrology of labeling planets or celestial bodies as masculine or feminine. And one of the things that she points out is that the vast majority of the planets are labeled as masculine. The only two that are really considered to be feminine planets are the moon and Venus. And so when we bring in the asteroid goddesses, Ceres, Pallas, Athene, Vesta, and Juno, then we get like a more balanced in terms of gender perspective on, yeah, basically on the different celestial bodies. So 
I don't use gendered language when I am working in astrology, but I do also really appreciate that perspective coming from working in, I worked in sustainable agriculture, but I specifically was a feminist organizer in sustainable agriculture. So I was bringing together groups of women and queer people to talk about like their experiences within the industry. And so that book was pretty you know, foundational for me and forming my beliefs as an astrologer. So that's definitely one that I would look into. That's really fascinating. That's such a fresh perspective and like a really inclusive way to look at astrology um, in a different way that makes it a lot more relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I use the asteroids, those four that I just mentioned, and then also the centaurs, Chiron and Nessus and Ixion and Chiraclo is a personal favorite of mine, because I think that they help us to identify aspects of ourselves that have not had a voice. And that makes sense when you think about that, they literally like they haven't been used in the tradition of astrology. And when we look at some of the like, gendered associations with some of those asteroids too, like they, that kind of gendered perspective, if you want to look at it from that way, that hasn't had a voice either. There hasn't been like that strong, like feminine kind of voice within our understanding of the celestial bodies. And like the planets are like the big you know, bodies, they take up most of the attention, most of the space. But I find that when I bring in the asteroids and work with people specifically around those parts of their chart, it really helps them to, yeah, basically find a voice for things that they haven't been able to talk about before. Whereas the planets are often more things that we're really aware of. That's incredible that I'm like really curious to know about that now, because I really haven't been familiar with any of that in my chart. Yeah. Do you offer something specifically about exploring your chart with the different asteroids and stuff? So I did a class called the Chiron Journey, which was specific to Chiron. And I also went into the other centaurs that I work with in that class. That's actually up on my website. And I'm going to be doing kind of the same thing with the four asteroids that I just mentioned. I'm actually working on a class right now called Asteroid Muses. And so it's going to be all about identifying the asteroids that are most significant to you based on your own chart and working with them in like a creative way. That sounds awesome. You mentioned your work with different feminists in the agriculture business and stuff like that. But you also mentioned in your survey that you used to run a queer bed and breakfast with your partner. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that experience with us? Yeah, that was how pretty much I became an astrologer. So (laughs) I, my partner and I have been together for about four years. Um, We're lesbians. We totally U-hauled it. So we were together for about a year and she was going through a moment in her life when she was kind of trying to like burn her life down, as we like to say. Uh, She had been, we've both been working in nonprofits for a really long time, like our entire career, we've both been working in nonprofits. And we kind of hit a point in both of our careers where there wasn't a ton of upward mobility. So we decided we were going to leave Des Moines and open this bed and breakfast. And we wanted it to be a place that was specific for queer people. 
not that we only serve queer people, but we wanted to make it very inclusive and welcoming to that community specifically because we both had experiences going and staying even like in a hotel in Chicago where the person who was checking us and asked us three times in that interaction if we were sure we wanted to have one bed, if we wanted to change to two separate beds. It was very confusing, like, you know, no, we know what we booked. (laughs) We want to have one bed. So yeah, just a few experiences like that really inspired us to open this queer bed and breakfast. And we did it in a small town in Eastern Iowa, town of about 4,500 people, although it was in Mount Vernon, Iowa, which is pretty liberal artistic, creative kind of town. There's a lot of like full-time creatives that live there because there's a, like one of the hidden Ivy kind of colleges is there. So we kind of serve that community and the queer community. And we did that for about a year before COVID hit. And then because of COVID, we had to completely shift our business. And so I had already we both left our nonprofit jobs. I had started working at, there was actually a metaphysical shop in this tiny town. So I worked there and I became an astrologer. Like the day after I left my nonprofit job, I was asked if I wanted to do astrology readings at the shop. And so then I just started working there. And so I was already kind of moving in that direction, but my partner had to really make a huge change. And so she started baking and that's what she did. And that's pretty much got us through the pandemic. But unfortunately, because we were both doing that, each of us for a whole year growing our businesses and baking and astrology, we couldn't really reopen the bed and breakfast because we didn't really have the capacity or the time. We had like really committed a whole year of our lives into these other things. And so we had to close the bed and breakfast and move back to Des Moines. Yeah, you moved really recently. Has it, has it been a hard shift back? I'm loving it. Um, I think it's been easier for me than it has been for her. And part of that is probably because I was getting pretty sick about a year into running our bed and breakfast. Um, I started developing a lot of chronic pain and chronic fatigue symptoms. So not having the responsibilities of maintaining historic home like four-story home is a huge weight (laughs) off of my shoulders and I'm pretty happy about it. There's definitely things that I miss. Like I had done a lot of work to establish a garden and had a lot of flowers and prairie perennials that I had been working with there. And here I have like a fresh clean slate. There's like hardly any plants in our yard at all. So that's a pretty big adjustment for me, but I also really grateful to be here after having the time away for a few years. And I think COVID kind of put everything into perspective too, just to be able to, and also being sick, put everything into perspective. (laughs) Being able to be close to my parents has been really good for me. And my good friends, all of my good friends live in Des Moines. So it's nice to be near them. And I also feel like my partner is, 
she's like on the precipice of some really exciting things in her business too. And I think also each of us being able to really focus on what we're doing and not have to navigate like working together and each doing our own thing has been really good for our relationship. So there's definitely been some challenging things about it, but overall, I'm really happy with where we've ended up. Yeah, that would be a lot to juggle to kind of maintain a bed and breakfast and two separate small businesses. That's that's a big handful, especially when you're bed and breakfast. Take, like I have a hundred year old farmhouse too, and I know that it's not an easy thing to maintain. Just the cleaning alone for a forced yeah. home, I can't even imagine, especially the quality that you want to have for a bed and breakfast. That's, I'm sure that was very exhausting. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. The cleaning was really a full-time job. And then, you know, when you're starting out in your own business too, we both had other little jobs that we were doing to support ourselves. So we were working for other people. We were doing our own stuff. We were running this bed and breakfast. I mean, it was just really a lot. I think having come, both of us come from nonprofit backgrounds where you have to wear 17 hats and juggle all of the things all of the time. We were both really used to that, but it was also kind of like, well, this is part of the reason why we left those jobs. (laughs) So it's not working out exactly the way that we maybe thought it would, or we're just getting older and more tired. (laughs) What's happening? Do you feel like those experiences in the nonprofits and with your bed and breakfast have helped you create better boundaries in your astrology business to give yourself more time for rest and play and things that you enjoy. So it's not so work focused all the time. Yeah, I think so. I am. I love to work. I always have loved to work and I've always wanted to own my own business. And I was actually, I went between like full-time nonprofit and freelancing all throughout my twenties. So I was used to a lot of the things about being self-employed. And I also worked from home for the vast majority of my twenties. So it was like less of a huge transition for me because I have chronic pain. I have to be a lot more mindful about my energy, what I'm putting my energy into. That's been really hard for me. And I think it will continue to be really hard for me because being a creative person who enjoys when I'm doing something I enjoy, I don't want to stop. It's yeah, it's definitely like an ongoing thing that I have to figure out like what my boundaries are and for better or for worse my body kind of tells me now this is your boundary you know like you can't do more than this but also in the time that I've been running my business I've learned more about being a highly sensitive person and understanding how I get overstimulated and how part of what makes me feel overstimulated is having a lot on my to-do list with a lot of deadlines. Understanding that has helped me be more gracious with myself to not just pile, 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 pile with no breaks. So I've started to really think about kind of the seasons of my business, what I want to be on for a while and then go off. 
And that is also hard to navigate with having a chronic illness too, because sometimes I am planning, okay, I'm going to be on for a few weeks and I'm going to be doing this big launch. And then my body's like, no, we need to rest. So yeah, I've just had to be a lot more in touch with myself and respectful of myself. And I I think I've gotten a lot better about it, but it's definitely something I still struggle with. You recently posted about a unique way that you plan your work with astrology. Can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? Yeah. So I was posting about zodiacal releasing, which is a pretty complex system. Actually, it's from Hellenistic astrology. And I like to think about it as basically the book of your life. So there's four different levels and the main the level one periods, those are like the big major books of your life. They can last for like seven years up to, I think, 25 years. And they bring an area of focus to one specific house in your chart. And the houses each rule over a different area of your life. So you can kind of look at, okay, what level one period am I on? That's going to be a major focus of this entire period of my life. Mm -hmm. Then the level two periods are like years of your life, might be like a few years, a couple years. And then the level three periods are like months of your life. And then the level four periods are days of your life. And so those can be anywhere from like a day to like seven days. And it's the same thing on every level. Each level brings focus to one specific house in your chart. So it brings a focus to one specific area of your life. And zodiacal releasing, it really works best when you pair it with other techniques like annual perfections is a technique where one specific house for a whole year of your life becomes a major focus. Mm-hmm. So I use the releasing to help me with my launch planning specifically. I always line my launches up with the different periods of time that I know I'm going to be moving through. And it's, this is like a quite a complex system, you know, it's not something that you're just going to go out and like be able to do for yourself. I had to spend a lot of time learning how to do it. I basically spent about two years learning how to do this system. But when I started learning astrology before I even became an astrologer, I did essentially the same thing on a much smaller scale, which was working with the moon. And I think a lot of people who run businesses as astrologers or are just like inclined towards things like astrology, they probably have thought about, you know, doing a launch or starting a project with the new moon and bringing it to completion with the full moon. But that doing that was kind of the foundation for me to be able to think about using zodiacal releasing as a guide, like for my business and my life and kind of what to focus on during different periods of time. And I've talked about this a lot in my business that working with the moon, not only with the, you know, setting an intention at the new moon and bringing it to completion by the full moon, what I get more excited about is 
saying, okay, the moon moves through different phases and it also moves through a different sign every two and a half days. So I started tracking, how do I feel when the moon is like in a waxing gibbous phase in Sagittarius? And I did that for a long time. I did that in different ways over probably about three years and then very intentionally for a few months the year before I actually became an astrologer, which I was not planning to do. Life just kind of happened that way. But what I like about that is, as I kind of mentioned, I have very high expectations of myself, but I'm also a very sensitive person. And so I get overstimulated very easily. And so looking to astrology, whether it's working with the moon or zodiacal releasing or annual perfections, any of the stuff that I do around timing, I like it because it helps me be kinder to myself and say, no, this is actually what I'm supposed to be focusing on during this period of time. Like maybe I'm not doing all of the things in my business because I'm supposed to be focusing on my home. I'm supposed to be focusing on my family during this specific period of time. Maybe I'm supposed to be focusing on going out with friends. So it just helps me to not yeah, be mean to myself, (laughs) like telling myself I have to do all of the things all of the time, because there is actually this map of how you can engage with the energy in a more intentional way. And when you do that, it helps you to be more in flow and not be constantly fighting against the energy that's present in your life, which for me is the fastest way to burn out and get really, really, really tired and overstimulated. Oh, absolutely. There are so many layers. There are so many good tools with astrology to help with time management. I think it's just fascinating to look at it from that perspective because I do a lot of that same thing as well. After tracking your feelings and your mood and your energy levels with the moon phases for so long, do you kind of intuitively sense what phase the moon is in by the way you're feeling now? Like, do you recognize it almost automatically after doing it, practicing it and paying so much intentional attention to that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, also in, you know, working as an astrologer, I'm usually pretty aware of what's happening, but I'm not always aware of what sign the moon is in. I'm usually aware like, okay, we're in between like the new moon and the full moon. So I'm going to generally probably feel this kind of way. But I would say what I've observed about it is that like what I observed during that early phases of like really being intentional and tracking it has pretty much stayed the same for years now. Like for me, I know personally, the last quarter moon to the new moon is always going to be my lowest energy time. And it pretty much always is. Occasionally, there will be a period of time where, you know, I will be off of that cycle. But for the most part, it stays the same. And it's like not even something that I really think about anymore. You know, it's like not something that like I go and track all of the time. Now, if I feel like, why is everyone being so demanding? The moon must be in Aries. And then I will go and look and the moon will be in Aries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Experience with that stuff. (laughs) 
just a little calling out Aries right there. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we can kind of just move from that and see, are you working on anything exciting? Yeah, I feel like I'm working on a lot of exciting things. I mentioned I'm doing the Asteroid Muses class. I'm just now starting to put that together for August. Like August and September, I have a couple new classes that I'm going to have coming out. And then I'm working right now on my first really long-term class. I'm actually in like actively teaching it right now, which is really wild to me, doing a 10-week course on, on astrology for tarot readers. And that was really big. Yeah. What's the right word? It was a really big decision for me to say, okay, I'm going to pursue this. Uh, And I'm now going to be doing another 10 week course. That's like a beginner astrology course later this year too. So I'm doing a lot more teaching um, this year Last year, I was a lot more focused on like the apothecary side of my business and doing the custom flower essence blends and all of that kind of stuff. So those are the things that I'm the most excited about. So a lot of that is relatively soon. Where do you hope to be with your business in the future? Like, what's the big dream look like? This is a question that I have been thinking a lot about recently being two years into like officially running my business as an astrologer. And I think that it ebbs and flows and kind of changes as I become interested in different things. I am a very like lunar person. So I change a lot, but I know definitively that one of my goals in life is to write many books. And so that's what I'm working towards is writing books about astrology, but maybe not specifically only about astrology. I am very interested in being a highly sensitive person and also about like leadership and sensitive people. And that's something that I am exploring a little bit more too with my business. I really see my business as using all of these tools to help support people who are very sensitive so that they can live the life that they want to live. And I think that we so often, if we are very sensitive and it wasn't supported, even if it was supported like by our parents, but just like society kind of conditions you that like it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so you need to adjust it the rest of the world and get on the rest of the world's page. And I am like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I'm interested in things like that too. Maybe teaching courses or doing some kind of coaching in the future with people. So that would be something that would be, is becoming more part of my big dream, I think. But yeah, definitely becoming a writer and a, you know, a well-respected teacher within the field of astrology too. Those are two things that I know I want to accomplish and achieve with my business of my life. Are you working on a book right now or do any of your courses kind of touch on some of the research for your books? Yeah. So I wrote a short ebook earlier this year called Containers of Our Lives, which is just about the 12 houses in astrology, because I found that a lot of the people who I worked with were 
familiar with the planets and the signs or have like a okay grasp on that, but they had no idea what the houses were. And the houses are so essential to being able to read a natal chart and understand how astrology impacts your actual like daily life. So I wrote a short book about that. I have an idea for doing an astrological memoir. So writing about my own experiences in my life through the lens of astrology, which I think could be kind of a cool teaching tool, but also just an interesting creative project. And I actually, before I became an astrologer professionally, I was working on a memoir project about my experiences growing up queer on a farm in rural Iowa and how I got into feminist organizing in local food. And yeah, that manuscript is sitting, you know, like in a box in my basement right now. And it's not something that I'm probably going to touch for a while because I feel like the story isn't done. You know, like the story of my life hasn't completed to the point where I'm ready to like share that. But I do, I've had this kind of vision of bringing it all together, like bringing the astrology part of it into the the memoir that I've already written. And one of the things that when my partner read the draft of the memoir that I wrote, she was like, there's a, a lot of stuff in here about astrology and tarot, but I feel like it's not like pushed out enough. Like it's not enough of a focal point. So I feel like you have to either remove it or make it about that. And that was probably just a couple months before I actually became a professional astrologer, like made my business. And I wasn't planning, like I said, I wasn't planning to become an astrologer full time. So I feel like there's something there and it's just not quite pulled together yet, but that is something that I'm hoping to work on in the next few years. So you're really starting to own it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's a good feeling. Do you feel like that's helped you in other areas of your life, like kind of welcoming that change and becoming like fully embraced in your astrology and your practice? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that being a queer person growing up in rural Iowa, but also like quite close to the capital of Iowa. I've always, my entire life, I've always been kind of on the edge of everything. So not really like a rural kid, but also a rural kid, but not really a city kid, but also like was going to shows like emo shows in Des Moines and that kind of thing. And I think And when I was working in agriculture too, it was always as kind of like an agitator kind of role of these are the things that we need to look at within the system. And so I was like of the system because I worked in it, but I was also always kind of an outsider. And I think that working in my business as an astrologer, the first year of my business was extremely hard because it was not what I thought I was going to do. And so I was really wanting to go into running this business, becoming an astrologer, like owning that this is what I was doing and believing that I had done enough work to like be in the room. And I think that many times I have felt like an outsider within the astrology community too, because I live 
in Iowa. And there are not a lot of people on Instagram who live in Iowa and are running astrology businesses. <laughs> so like within the astrology community, I'm kind of like a little bit of an outlier and I'm non-binary, but I am femme and I am very, very femme presenting. And so I feel kind of like an outsider on that community too. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, really investing in my business and believing in myself has been a way rejecting the mentality of that. I always have to be an outsider that I always am like on the edge of the room and not in the room. I think that my business has forced me to like make my own room (laughs) and just say like, this is, this is the room. This is the space. This, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm focusing on. And I'm doing it to help other people who have had similar experiences to me. Because one of the things that you learn when you're running a business like I do, um, whether you're an astrologer, you're a tarot reader, you're a coach, whatever it is, you will attract people who have had similar or having similar problems to what you've had in your life. And so in working with my clients over the last couple of years, specifically, I it took me probably about a year to really be like, okay, this is why people are coming to me. This is the specific problem that all of these people are having. And that's not that they're all having the exact same problem that I was having, but they're having some aspect of the issue that I was having. And, you know, of course they're coming to me because I have something to share with them on this part of their journey. And that's why they come to me like at exactly the right time always, they're always grappling with some issue that I just have exactly the right thing to say at that exact moment in time. And because I can read their chart, I understand what that issue is. So it's exciting for me because I feel more connected to community probably than I've ever felt in my life. Like I don't feel like I have to conform to anyone else's standards or expectations because I am purposefully setting my business to really connect with people who are are coming with like a same kind of shared lived experience to what I have. I think that's really interesting to kind of think about how you all created bed and breakfast. And then now with your business and astrology, how you're still offering these rooms for people that are safe spaces that help them kind of work through different transitions in their life that there's just not room in most other places, you know? And I think like with astrology and entrepreneurship, everything is so different. And there are a lot of common, common commonalities and common ground to share, but to feel like you have a place where you can totally be yourself and, have conversations and connect with other people who can relate to that. It's a level of fulfillment that most nine to five jobs, (laughs) any kind of job you have to submit a resume for probably isn't going to offer that space. And it's certainly not going to offer that emotional support. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even when I was working in agriculture, I was, you know, working specifically like with women and agriculture and talking about the ways in which they were left out, like within the industry, 
And so in the beginning of my work with that, I also felt very connected because I really resonated a lot with like those shared experiences. But then as time went on, I started to feel like this isn't really my story. I'm just bringing these people together uh, around some kind of shared experience that we have, but it's not like this isn't going to be my story because I'd already decided I wasn't going to like become a farmer or anything like that because I didn't feel like I could really handle it after having worked on farms. So I think that I've always been searching for and creating spaces. I mean, that's one of the things that people have always said about me is that when I bring a group of people together, I hold space in a way that no one else really does, which is a huge responsibility. It's something I really take seriously. I think that being inclusive is a lot more than just like, you know, putting a rainbow sticker on your door and saying we're inclusive, you know, it's like active, it's active work. And I, I did it, you know, from the feminist perspective, from like working specifically with women, then I kind of moved more into focusing on queer people. And I'm really like lit up and supercharged around working with highly sensitive people right now, because I think that me learning that I was highly sensitive, like changed my life so much. And it's something that I kind of went back and forth around, like, is it even worth labeling myself this way as an astrologer working in an industry that there's a lot of highly sensitive people, but I still think that it is worth doing because I was studying astrology for years and years and years and years. And I learned about being highly sensitive actually from an herbalism class that I took. And so I think that being more intentional about like talking about this specific experience is something that is going to be life-changing for people and is going to help people who have felt like they haven't been able to connect with people like them to find connection. And and that's just kind of like what I'm all about. I don't even really think about it. That's just always what I gravitate towards is like bringing people together around shared experiences and connecting them. As you share about um, being a highly sensitive person, for anyone who's listening who might have kind of a peak interest about that and say, well, like, that sounds really similar. Like, I feel like I can relate to that. Can you kind of clarify that a little bit more about maybe how you started identifying as a highly sensitive person as well? Yeah. So it's only been the last couple of years that I actually learned about the term highly sensitive person. Like I said, I learned about it from a few different herbalists, but it is, it comes from the research of Dr. Elaine Aaron, who was a psychologist and she was doing some yeah research and noticing that a lot of the people that she was working with, they were having kind of similar problems, just like what I was talking about. So like some of the things that highly sensitive people tend to experience is that they get overstimulated easier than other people do. They can be very sensitive to light, sound, you know, loud noises. Sometimes people are really sensitive to like violence on television. Um, There's other things too, that I think are really important that 
are not part of the test. If you think you might be a highly sensitive person, it's very highly likely that you are. Uh, But you can go online if you just search for highly sensitive person test. There's like a 27 question true false test that Dr. Elaine Aaron put together and you can take that test and see where you score on it. I'm 26 out of 27. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like really high. (laughs) (laughs) Only thing that I don't check is I love like true crime and crime shows. So I like watching like violent stuff on television. I have to kind of be like mindful of how much of it I take in, but I do enjoy it. So anyway, Other things, though, are like notifications. You know, we like live in a world where we're constantly receiving notifications on our phones, noises from your phone, potentially. You know, I have mine turned off because I can't handle it. I can't handle even hearing the phone ring drives me like sends chills up my spine. So, yeah, we live in a world that's created for not sensitive people. And it's, I want to say it's like 15 to 20% of the population is highly sensitive. And she's also found, or like other researchers have found, and she's brought this into her research that it exists in like other species, like mammals and amphibians and stuff like that, that there's always this like 15% that's highly sensitive. So That's amazing because it actually shows that there's a purpose for people who are highly sensitive. We are more aware of external stimuli because we developed that way. We evolved that way so that we could warn the rest of the herd, the rest of the species that there was danger coming, that there was something that we needed to be aware of. And for most of my life, I just thought I was really anxious, but I didn't really identify with some of the things that are related to anxiety. And you could be highly, you could be very anxious and be a highly sensitive person. You know, you could be a lot of things and also be a highly sensitive person. But yeah, I was like listening to somebody talk about this on the podcast. I was like, whoa, (laughs) that is like, that is my life. That is, you know, I, had been told my whole life, oh, you're an empath, but you could be, it's pretty likely that if you're a highly sensitive person, you're also an empath. But when we talk about empath, we often focus on like absorbing other people's feelings and being aware of other people's feelings and that kind of thing. But we don't necessarily talk about the physical stimuli that people have to deal with on a daily basis that like really is challenging causes like real challenges for people in their lives. Like I couldn't work in an office because the lights and the phones ring all day. I would go home and I wouldn't be able to hang out with people or connect with anyone or have any kind of social life. Cause I was so exhausted just from all of the stimulation. And I think that if more people were aware of the experiences of highly sensitive people that just lives would be better for everyone because everyone would be getting their needs met. And I think that's one of the things that highly sensitive people often struggle with is getting their like basic needs met, being feeling highly resourced because you're so used to having to adapt to everyone else's environment that you don't really take the time to say like, well, what do I actually want? What do I actually need? And that's where astrology comes in because you can look at your chart and you can start to work through like, this is actually 
innately what is important to me, what I value, what I would like my daily life to look like. And then you can start to make adjustments using that as a map to get you closer to feeling good with yourself and not so like, I have to adapt to everyone else. I have to adapt to all of these other environments. Yeah. I still have to go to the bank and talk to the bank teller and I don't like it, (laughs) but like there's things that I can do in other parts of my life that like make me feel more supported so that when I have to go out and do those things that I don't enjoy that are really draining and taxing to me, I can feel more prepared. And also I can be nicer to myself and surround myself by with people who understand my experience. So they're not putting me down and making me feel like there's something wrong with me because there isn't anything wrong with me. I was born this way. I was born with the specific set of skills and gifts, which is what makes me good at my job. And it should be valued. You know, it should be something that we value in business and everything. And so that's why I think it's so important to talk about. I think astrology has helped me with my mental health tremendously. I, I highly recommend anyone who feels like they're affected by anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, ADHD. If you feel like you're an empath, a highly sensitive person, even on the spectrum, all those things can really be tracked through different astrological happenings and seeing Mm -hmm. how that impacts your energy and your, the way you feel and learning more about yourself through your chart and really clarified a lot of things, even about my son and the way he reacts to things. He's highly sensitive on the spectrum, ADHD, Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to find ways to to help him feel comfortable and safe. And, you know, with COVID creating so many, I want to say opportunities for people to start working from home or switching to homeschool really made it a lot easier for people to have those needs met and fulfilled and prioritized and even seen in a way that it's more profitable for businesses to let people work from home if they feel more comfortable doing so. So, you know, being able to help people and meet them where they are is really going to impact the world and society and the economy and like attached to that, you know, all of it. So even though your business is relatively new, has anything crazy ever happened? I mean, I feel like the way that I started my business was kind of wild. Like I was, I had applied to become the executive director of the organization I worked at and then I didn't get the job. And so then I ended up actually quitting uh, and leaving. I wasn't really planning on making this jump. And then, like I said earlier, the day, the next day after I quit my job, I went into the metaphysical shop to like get myself some candles and that kind of thing. Cause I was going to cast a spell to find some work. <laughs> 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 like I need some money. 
I mean, I was, I had like a little bit of a safety net, but not like, you know, I definitely needed to find a job. (laughs) And so uh, the woman that owned the shop asked if I wanted to start doing astrology readings there without even knowing that I had just quit my job. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is my shot. So (laughs) I'm going to do it. I totally do not feel ready to do this, but I'm going to do it. And I went home that night and started putting together my website. And, you know, when I started my business, it was totally different from what I'm doing now. I was like doing hula hooping and hula hoop teaching and astrology and working in this metaphysical shop. And um, I basically just decided, you know, that this was what I was going to do that this, there was like a reason that it had happened this way. And I was also going through my Saturn return during this period of time. So if you know anything about astrology, that's like such a pivotal moment in people's <laughs> lives when they're between 28 and 30. And, but then it was like, Oh, wow. I've made this decision kind of in response to all of these life experiences. And so I think it took me about a year to really decide like, no, this is actually the decision that I made. I am going to do this. I'm going to pursue this path. So I feel like that's a pretty wild story in general. And then also closing our bed and breakfast and moving and having to adapt to all of that, you know, my business had to, it was a way for me to adapt. And then I've had to continue to adapt with it, but I love it because I do pretty much everything online. So I don't really have to worry about like where I live. You know, I can just, as long as I have my computer and an internet connection, I can pretty much do my job. So yeah. Anyway, that's refreshing. That's like so comforting to be able to just find Wi-Fi and work accordingly. Like wherever, wherever you need to be, like you get to be there all, like you get to be all there. What would you say to yourself at the beginning of this journey after learning everything you know now? I think that the biggest thing I would tell myself is like, don't hold back. I think that's like probably my biggest regret in my business is that I didn't, I kind of was like half in half out, like basically expecting that it wasn't going to work out for the first six months that I was doing it. And then I had a really good month about six months into my business where I made, you know, like almost what I had made working in a nonprofit job full time. And then I freaked out. (laughs) I was like, that's really scary. So I think that, you know, that's the advice I would give to myself and to anyone who's starting a business is like, act like it's going to work out act like it's going to work out and show up like it's going to work out rather than letting the self-doubt and all of the like fear and judgment get in your way because that's going to be the thing that's going to get in your way. So if you can say, you know, yep, I'm freaked out. I think that people are judging me for becoming an astrologer and like leaving my career behind as many people told me I was doing. And I had to say, you know, like, like outwardly to those people, I was like, no, this is what I'm doing. But internally, I really took it on and was like, 
oh my gosh, people are judging me and I shouldn't be doing this. And like, what, why do, how do I think that I'm going to make this work and that kind of stuff. And it took me a full year. I really, I would say even probably the first like 13 months of my business, I was showing up as if it had already failed, which I think in part was because I didn't get the promotion that I wanted. And so I was feeling like a failure. So I was showing up every day with that kind of energy of like, I'm a failure. And now I just wish I could go back in time and tell myself like, no, you're not a failure. You actually got exactly the thing you wanted. So like show up with that level, show up with that energy. So you know, you can't go back in time. You just kind of have to go with what you've got. So in 2021, I really just decided, I think around November of 2020, I was like, okay, it's been over a year. It's time to just really show up on the level of this is going to work out. There is no plan B. This is what I'm doing now. And once I made that mindset shift, it's been a lot easier. Like I've made more money It's been easier to make connections and to build my business and make connections with people on Instagram and stuff like that. Because like the way that I was showing up changed. So the people, the way that other people responded to me also changed. And because I was taking myself more seriously, other people were taking me more seriously too. So that's the biggest thing I I would tell myself. Do you think you could say there was a shift in maybe that initial fear of failure to where it tipped into this fear of success when mm-hmm. you had that good month and you're like, oh shit, like this might really happen. Like this, <laughs> this could really work. I'm onto something like, what if I like make something awesome and then let everybody down is kind of that like fear of success. Do you think that kind of happened for you? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think I've had that at other points in time in my life. Like I, I think I mentioned earlier that I ran a freelance marketing business. That was a lot of what I was doing in my twenties and I would get, you know, like a big contract, it would be going really well. And then I would freak out and be like, I have to go get a full-time job or I have to go get some other kind of job and going and getting those jobs was really more a response of like me being afraid of like who I would have to be, how I would have to show up in my life if that was what I was going to do. And being able to go and work for someone else was a way of being like, okay, well, I can be big in this space because somebody else is paying me to show up in this specific way. And like, I know what the parameters are and I'm making all of my decisions based on other people and not on like what I want, which felt really uncomfortable. So Yeah, I think that that's something that I've struggled with in my entrepreneurial journey as an astrologer, but also in other work that I've done. I think that when you decide you're going to be successful, you have to show up with that energy. And it's scary because it's like, well, what if I can't maintain this? Mm -hmm. And then that's where the like being compassionate with yourself and saying, you know, there are going to be days when I, I cannot show up being big empress energy, like look at me kind of stuff. You know, there's days when I'm like, I want to go lay under my duvet and not talk to anybody. And like, I can be both of those things. 
and still be successful. I can do both of those things and still be successful. I just because I need to take naps during the day sometimes doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me that like I can't have a successful thriving business and be compensated and valued for the skills that I bring to the world. You know, it's like, you have to let go of all of these little things that have made you feel safe throughout your whole life in order to like get to the success. So like, yeah, business is a spiritual journey. (laughs) It like really like forces you to look at all of the things that are, you know, your little demons that you have to work through. Really? Yeah. So what are some other ways that you make your life more magical? Like how do you include magic in your everyday life? Um, I know you mentioned the gem and flower essences. Are there some other things or ways? Yeah. So my practices look like journaling is a huge part of my magical practice and just my spiritual life journey. So I try every day to write in my journal a few pages and I also do reflections with using astrology and tarot. So that's like my, I have to do this part of my life. I have an altar where I sometimes sit. Sometimes I don't feel like I can sit at my altar. Like I just physically don't feel like I can do it and that's okay. But I do have an altar with you know, my candles and my herbs that I use to connect with my ancestors. And I do channeling work and automatic writing as part of that. I love working with pendulums. That's like one of my personal favorite tools is working with a pendulum. And that's actually something I got into being an essence creator and working with the pendulum to help me select like which essences are going to be best for me at any given point in time or for my clients at any given point in time. And then nature is huge for me. And that's, you know, why I started making essences because I wanted to capture, you know, the personality of these different flowers and plants and the moon and all of that kind of stuff. So that has become a huge part of my magical work and my work in general. I'm looking around my office right now. I'm like, is there anything else? Mm -hmm. I feel like those are the big things though. (laughs) So you offer these different flower essences and gem essences and your other astrology based products that you've created. But if you had to pick, which one would you say is your favorite? So I think that my one of my favorite products that I make is my Speak With Confidence Essence Blend. It has calendula, purple iris, minarda, ground laurel, all essences that are really great for communication. And yeah, it's like speaking with confidence. I also, I have a really special love for purple iris because purple iris supports us in communicating not only from ourselves, but like through spirit. So it really helps to strengthen that connection and that bond where are channeling, you are connecting with spirit and communicating what spirit would like for you to share the message that spirit would like for you to share. And purple iris has been really critical for me in my work and my writing. And I think was like pretty much a game changer for me in deciding to show up in my business in a bigger way, because it made me feel more confident that I had like a specific message that I was supposed to share with people. 
So that's why I include it in the speak with confidence blend. And like calendula helps other people to receive your words well. So all of the, all of the essences within that blend are helping to support you speak confidently, which is not so much about like, oh, I have to be like big, like a sunflower and like, look at me and I'm amazing. I love sunflower essence, but that's not like what speak with confidence is about. Speak with confidence is about knowing you are channeling, that you are a channel of spirit, that you have something to share a message to communicate through that channel. So yeah, I love that. And I have it in a blend and I also have it in like a room spray. So I'll spray it like around my office at the beginning of every day that I sit down and work or like before I sit and work with a client, I'll spray it on my body. So yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. Is that available on your website? Yeah, it is. It's in my apothecary at ashgravity.com. Okay, cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today about your life and your business and sharing so vulnerably and like really just, that was amazing. I really appreciate it. Can you just let everyone know where they can learn more about you and get their hands on your wonderful gym, gym and flower essences and some awesome astrology information? Yeah. If you want to go into ashgravity.com, you can find info about my email newsletter, my podcast, the highly sensitive astrologer. I'm going to be coming out with a new season of that. Uh, this, I guess it's late summer. I always think of August as like fall, but it's not really fall. <laughs> <laughs> so, and if you're interested in the working with the timing on a deeper level with the moon, as a great reference point, a great place to start going beyond just the new and the full moon, but into actually working with the moon every single day. I have a free moon mood guidebook that you can find on my homepage at ashgravity.com. And I'm going to be doing also like a creative journey with the moon too in the next couple months. So yeah, that's the best way to find me and find out about all my offerings. Is your containers for everyday life on your website as well? Yes, it is. It's on the learn with me tab on my website and the Chiron journey class that I mentioned is also on that part of my website. And I do actually, I have a beginner astrology class right now. That's $25. It's going to be getting retired. So if you're interested in starting to learn astrology, like I would get in soon (laughs) because it's going to be transitioned into like a longer 10 week course later this year, but it's a super great class that really helps you to be able to actually look at your own natal chart and understand the transits and the timing. And so, and there's a lot of Hellenistic foundations in that class too. That's great. Thank you so much, Ash. I can't wait to check out all your resources on your website and keep learning what you're doing on your Instagram. So thanks yeah. for today. Yeah, it was great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Business Magic Broadcast. Please take a second to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about working with me or to request an interview, sponsor an episode, or access the transcript of this show, please visit www.courtsandcole.co using the link in the episode description below. Thank you and have a magical day.